Chase said that I was going to share what God laid on my heart. I, I had a, like a rough summer with my heart. I don't want God to lay anything more on it. You know what I mean? Can he lay it on my shoulder, maybe? <laughs> How you guys doing? First service was in a turkey coma still. How about you? You're awake? Oh, who said that? I want to follow them. Okay, Carmen, one of my faves. It's good to have you here today, Thanksgiving Sunday. What a, what a great day it was. You know, we went to California for Thanksgiving, and we, we went to my mom's house, and she wanted to have it all new for, for us, and so she was uh, redoing all kinds of things, and it, was, uh, it got delayed two weeks, so we're, we came right in the middle of a remodel which was a lot of fun, and uh, helped her clean up so that we could actually function in the house. And uh, then, we, then we tried to have Thanksgiving, which is hard because my mother is kosher, non-fat, low cholesterol, <laughs> vegetarian. Forget about turkey in that house. It failed on numerous attempts. And so we had salmon. Good thing to have, right? We had a good, we had a good dinner. And it was, it was awesome. We had a great time. You guys have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah? I'm jealous for all of you that are still in a turkey coma, though. I want to be in a turkey coma. <laughs> oh, okay. I will. So part of what we did on, on this trip was uh, Cynthia and I celebrated 26 years of being married <laughs> on the 18th. And we went to Carmel. It's one of our special places that we've gone for many, many years from lots of anniversaries. And, and I asked her to marry me. The next night we went there for a very special time. And we called that night Starry Night because it was so beautiful. And it was, it was an amazing thing to be in Carmel again. The, there was a storm happening. And so we saw these waves that were some of the biggest I've ever seen in Carmel. They were about 15 feet tall. And the surfers couldn't keep up with them. That's how that's how hard it was, how high they were, and it was just so amazing to see. I don't know about you, but I love the mountains. I see the power of God in the mountains. But when it comes to the ocean, there's something about the eternal nature of God and the life of God that the ocean reminds me of, and I am really transformed by it. And those waves just smashing one after another, 15 foot high waves smashing on the shore, just reminded me of how great the name of Jesus is. Amen? I could have gone on with that song all day, and we just did a message another day, because the name of Jesus is awesome! Awesome! So what we're going to talk about today is, uh, I'm going to kind of take everything from Ephesians right now. I'm going to bring it all together kind of in a summary, and then we're going to wrap it up into a bow, because next week we start Christmas, all right? And so we're going to kind of bring it all to a close, this series that we've been in for some time in the book of Ephesians, God's Mystery Revealed. So let's, let's read this scripture together, all right? Is it up? Oh, there it is. Okay. You guys ready? Let's see if you're better than first service in their coma. All right. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying as the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychius, my dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you will also know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love with them from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love the Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Amen. Lord, we just come before you right now. We've gone through the entire book of Ephesians, Lord, and you've spoken to us so many amazing things. We're going to review that today. And we, Lord, my, my heart, I believe it's your heart, is that we would take the, the fullness of your gospel and we would live it out. 
and in so doing, see our lives transformed and the lives of those around us transformed. And so I just ask God that you would open my heart and speak to me. Is that your prayer for yourself as well? Open, ask the Lord to open your heart right now. Our hearts could be so easily closed. There can be obstacles that are, that are even un unknown to us that are in our way. Ask him to open your heart so that you could receive. Lord, open my heart that I could receive from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking at this review of God's mystery revealed. And, uh, you know, this is not a casual letter. And I talked about that in the very first sermon as an introduction. But I want to bring that up again because it's so very important. And it reminds me of something that happened on vacation. Because my mom brought in this big stack of letters. And they were, they were letters from my sister and I when we went to summer camp when I was a little kid. And in the East Coast, it's not really the same on the West Coast, but in the East Coast, when you go to camp, kids are miserable on the East Coast. And so when you go to summer camp, you actually go for two months because parents need a break. <laughs> and, and so my sister and I, for many years, went for two months. We went away, and my parents got a good vacation from us. No, that's not why they sent us. They sent us because they love us, and they wanted us to go to a cool place. And we went to this great camp. But at this camp, they, they require that you write a letter to your parents every day. Every day. Did I say every day? <laughs> a kid, right, every day. So my sister, she, she was very relational. The only thing she really, really struggled with was that she didn't have enough stamps, and she was worried she wasn't going to send... She wouldn't be able to send letters. She kept saying, please, Mom, send more stamps. Send more stamps. It was pretty funny. It was like throughout a theme of about 30 letters. Please send more stamps. But she always talked about relational things. Me, on the other hand, I just wanted to get this letter done so I could have some fun. And so I'd say, dear Mom and Dad, how are you? I am fine. Today we went play baseball. Today we did tennis. Thank you very much. We'll see you on visiting day. And that was it. It was like a total, casual, superficial letter that really had no meaning in it. My letters were not fun to read. <laughs> My sister's letters were phenomenal to read because she actually had some relational stuff in it. When it comes to this letter of the book of Ephesians, Paul writing to the Ephesians, this is a very deeply personal powerful letter of a guy who did not know if he was ever going to see these people again. And so what he had to share was of utmost importance to him. He had to share it. He was compelled to share it. And so in this letter, he wrote out about the mystery of the gospel of Christ. And we're going to look at that throughout the, the entire book. What is the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ? You might say you know what the gospel is. I will contend that most of us understand part of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but do not have a full understanding of it or living in the full understanding of it. And so today we want to wrap all that together and say let's walk in the fullness of what the gospel of Jesus Christ really is. All right? Yes? All right. Oh, you are more awake than first service. That's good. I like that. All right, so the first is that he has redeemed us. Now, this is where most people stop. This is where Jesus begins, okay? In Ephesians 1, 5 through 8, he predestined us for adoption as sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given in the one he loves. In him we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us. We are adopted as sons and daughters into his kingdom. We are redeemed. That means we are bought back. We were sold into, uh, uh, into sin, slavery into sin, and now we are bought back by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the beginning, the great beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
It has a powerful effect, and without this, nothing can happen. Because we were dead, but now we are alive. Amen? That is awesome. We have to be alive in order for anything else to happen. So yes, it is extremely important that we are redeemed by Christ. So very important. But it is the beginning. And he lavished this upon us. When I, when, I, when I think of that lavishing of God, I think about those waves that I described to you. These 15-foot waves crashing upon the, the beach. I mean, they were tremendous. And you could actually feel the ground shake where we were. That's how wonderful it was. That's the lavishing love of God that we can experience on a daily basis. Oh, how he loves us. I, I seriously think he gave me anyway, maybe all of us, these waves as just a reminder. This love, it will never stop. It will never stop. It'll never stop. It'll crash over you. It'll transform you. It'll change your landscape. It'll change your life. What an amazing love it is. Experience it, it each and every day, folks. It's not some one-time experience that you have when you say, yes, I, I receive Jesus as Lord. It's an everyday wave crashing on your life with the love of God. Don't miss that wave each and every day, multiple waves each and every day. The next is, he is returning all things to their proper lordship, proper order which is his lordship. So the first is he, he has redeemed us. That's the beginning of the mystery. The second, he is returning all things to their proper order. Ephesians 1, 9 through 10. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity uh, to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Everything will be under Christ. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Whether you want to or not, you will bow before the Lordship of Christ eventually. Amen? Everyone will. Everything will. Every animal, every person Every atom will bow before the Lordship of Christ. Glory to God. This is God's plan. He's redeeming us, and now he's asking us to bow before him as Lord and King. This is a good second step, don't you think? Because a lot of people, they like the idea of being forgiven, but they're not that excited about asking Jesus to lead their lives. That's what lordship means, lead your life, right? Is Jesus the leader of your life? This is essential to the gospel. If Jesus is not the leader of your life in an area, jump off a cliff. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> if Jesus is not the leader of your life in an area, find out what that area is and make him the leader. I am still finding areas in my life where he's not the leader. And I'm shocked. And because I know that if he's not the leader, then, then I'm in big trouble in that area. So I need to place myself under his leadership. I need to bow my knee and confess Jesus is Lord in that area. Jesus is Lord in my finances. Not just my tithes, 10%. But in all my finances, Jesus is Lord in my body. He's Lord in my thoughts. Is he Lord of your thoughts? Whoa, that's intense. When Jesus is Lord of your thoughts. Because I know where my, my wind, my, I can't even say it, where my mind wanders to on a regular basis. And so to bring my mind as a bent knee under the Lordship of Christ is a powerful thing. Is Jesus your Lord in the hidden things in your life? 
I hid a lot from God, and I thought, you know what? I could keep this to myself. And God is so loving. He knows they're there. He's not stupid. <laughs> he knows they're there. And he's, he's, gonna, he's not going to knock them all off all at once because he knows you can't handle it. So he'll just do one thing at a time. So what I've noticed after 40 years of being a Christian is there's a lot less things that are hidden from God. <laughs> and almost everything that I can think of is submitted to his lordship. Now, that doesn't mean I'm perfect by any stretch. I mean, I blow it all the time, all the time. But what things have you kept hidden from the, the Lord? There's a lot of them out there, a lot of dark, hidden things. We're going to be doing, I think Jody mentioned um, pornography and stuff as part of the, the, the series the last two, two weeks on, on spiritual warfare. We're going to have a, a workshop for, for all the men, whether you need it or not, on, on dealing with pornography called Conquered. And that'll be in the, in the summer, I think, we're going to do that. And that's, if you don't need it, you have a friend who needs it. Because the reality is, is that uh, about 80% of people, males, in the church struggle with this. There's about 40% of females that struggle with pornography. It's a crazy amount. So it's something that we want to deal with. It, we, we think that if we just hide it away, it'll... It'll be okay, and we'll just, we'll just live our lives. But the thing is, it totally affects our relationship with the Lord. And so eventually, God is sovereign. He will come, and he will take that thing and say, Now, what about this? Let's talk about it, son. Because I love you too much to let you suffer under the weight of the lie that is this hidden thing in your life. That's what the Lord's speaking to us right now. He loves you too much to let your hidden things harm you. Don't let that happen. Come to him right now. Bring those hidden things to God. Let him heal your soul. Don't worry if you think it's too big. With man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Amen? He has redeemed us. He's returning all things to their proper order, the lordship of Christ, everything under his leadership. Now he's birthed the church, his spiritual family. Ephesians 3, 6 says, This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together, in the promise in Christ Jesus. There is no dividing wall. You know, it's kind of funny. Um, Cynthia and I, before we were married, it was 27 years ago now, <clears throat> and Jody and Eric, uh, we, all, we all went on a mission trip to Holland. And it was really funny because the Dutch people, you know, kind of pride themselves on being pretty cool. And you can tell that from Eric's attitude, right? <laughs> if you knew our former pastor, Eric, who went to be with the Lord. He, he, you know, the, the, the Dutch were pretty cool. And uh, he, I, I remember during the, um, the World Cup, man, he, they were miserably, horribly disappointed when they lost. <laughs> but here, here's the Dutch. They, they got it pretty together. But when we had a day off and we decided we're going to go to Belgium, we're going to go to this cool town called Bruca, which is uh, kind of like Venice. It's all canals. There's no streets. Really gorgeous little town. And as, as we're getting closer and closer to the border of Holland touching Belgium, it's amazing how people's attitudes about the Belgian are. It's like the Belgian, they're stupid. The Belgian are lazy, right? And then you go into Belgium, and you hear the same thing about the Dutch. The Dutch are stupid. The Dutch are lazy. And it's this us, us and them mentality. In the church, the dividing wall is broken. And we are one in Christ. One body shares together the promise in Christ Jesus. The family of God is so profound. It is more profound than your earthly family. Jesus said this in Matthew 12, 
Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing his, to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. He was establishing right there that the spiritual connection was of utmost importance in the church, our spiritual family. I love our church. Now, you, you might be visiting for the first time, but let me just tell you, our church is an amazing church. We have amazing people at the adventure, people that give of their time and energy in heroic ways for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think of people that do things that are totally hidden. You would never know about it. And they do it because they're honoring Christ, loving God. The people that are up here are nothing compared to those that are serving in the background, honoring the Lord, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in hidden, secret ways throughout this place and beyond. He gave the church partnership in this eternal purpose. Not only are we his spiritual family, but we are partners with God. See, you can't stop with just redemption. You cannot stop the gospel with just lordship. These are the beginnings. They are absolutely essential. You can't make anything do anything if it's dead. So redemption needs to happen. Lordship needs to happen. The church, you can't stop with just being in the church. We have been given an eternal purpose. Ephesians 3.10, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Through the church, the church, not some church leader, not some pontiff type person that that is in charge or paid or whatever. No, the church. We are the church. It is through the church, through the church, that the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. Where? Everywhere. Everywhere. Not just here on earth, but sticking our nose up at Satan as well and all the heavenly creatures. And say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Look at the church, the bride preparing him, herself. Right? For the marriage supper. Jesus is Lord. Every time we do that, we are declaring the manifold wisdom of God. This is our purpose. It is a cosmic purpose. It goes beyond, way beyond, sitting in church on Sunday. It compels action compels action. You cannot not act. You must act. Did I have too many negatives in there? I need an English person to help me. You must act. Paul said, I am compelled by God's love to share the gospel. So not only did he give us his eternal purpose as a church, he also gave the church an amazing method and if you have been to base camp, and I encourage you to go if you haven't been yet, we'll start a new one uh, as soon as the new year starts. Uh, really want to be a part of that. But Ephesians 4 is one of the key verses. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This incredible connection that we have to one another. You know, I just look out and I, I see faces of people that have connected with me and changed my life. I don't want to embarrass anybody. There are amazing people that are part of our congregation that we are connected with that have changed me forever because of Christ in them. And you know, I, I look at this method and I think, wow, I have been transformed by people. You know, I, I think of, 
I love to worship the Lord, in case you haven't noticed. Jody pays me not to sing, but I do worship. I do worship. I adore worshiping God. And there was a guy early on in my Christian walk named Steve Fry who taught me how to worship. He didn't teach me how to worship by taking time out of his day and saying, now, Ira, this is how you worship. He didn't have to do that. All he had to do was worship, and I learned how to worship. It wasn't some heroic act he had to do in order to change my life forever. And I'm telling you, prob- I mean, I've had numerous people speak into my life, but that one thing taught me how to connect with God in a way that, that today I am still blown away by. And tomorrow I will be. And I know in heaven I will have the capacity to be able to worship God and worship God. We all will, but, <laughs> you know, we'll, I, I, it's just like a continuation of that. And it's because this one guy worshiped the Lord and taught me how to do it, not even knowing that he did it. Or Jody, who about 30 years ago, the social butterfly that she is, that's in a positive way, not a negative way, grabbed me by the head and said, let's hang out together and be best friends. <laughs> and we hung out together and became best friends and we worshiped the Lord. I was a mess back then. And I needed somebody to help me partner with me to, to connect back with God. I needed her. God sent her to me. She was a ligament that grabbed hold of me that changed my life. So many people are like that. Do you have people in your life like that? Raise your hand if you have somebody who's invested in your life and changed you. That's the method that God has for us. <coughs> His method of us working together, maturing together, so that we lack nothing, it says in Ephesians 4. Lack nothing. I want to lack nothing in my life. It's going to happen as we all work together because what you can give is something that I need. And what I have, I can give to you, support you. Community groups are a great way to be a part of that. Serving is a great way to be a part of that. Connect in. And he called us also to live in a new identity, the next point. Ephesians 4, 23 and 24 says, Be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Neil Anderson said this. He's a, a mentor of mine from many years ago. He said that you cannot behave consistently in a way that is inconsistent with the way you think about yourself. So this had an enormous effect in my life several years ago when I spent an entire year learning what it was like to be a son of the Most High God. Because I realized I didn't have to answer to anybody but him. I, I, I was a fear of man person, you know what I mean? I was worried about what others think. And w when you're in ministry, that's a really bad thing to have. <laughs> it is. And so I, there, there wasn't that there anymore. I was just there with Dad. Dad, what do you want me to do today? And my whole attitude about myself changed at that point. Because I was Dad's son. I realized that all I wanted to do was please him. Instead of, instead of making myself do good things, my inside was changed. My new self. I put on the new self. And that new self lived and expressed itself in new ways that were foreign to my flesh. God has given us that ability. Be made new in the attitude of your mind. Take, put on the new self. You know, this whole section dealt with things that have to do with godly relationships, church, marriage, children, work. Remember the whole thing about marriage was that you really can't love 
your spouse, until you're loved by God yourself. You really don't understand what love is until that happens. You can't forgive unless you understand how forgiving you've been in the supreme act of forgiveness. So, so many people throughout the years that I've seen in my office have a sink full of dishes this high of issues that they've never cleaned off. That are, and another thing, and another thing, and another thing. And 20 years ago, We can forgive as we've been forgiven. But that's the thing. When you have that identity as someone who's a forgiven one, who's a saint, who's a holy one, which is what that means, then you can forgive. Then you for can forgive. So we were redeemed. Lordship was restored. The church was birthed, spiritual family. The church had a purpose. The church's method was building each other up, strengthening each other, maturing each other. We, we walked in this new identity. It's important. It's very hard to be in church and, and not walk in a new identity because you're going to come up with a lot of things that you're going to have to deal with, which is good, right? Let me go back to method. And now, he gave us tools forged by his grace to accomplish his call. So this is what we, we talked about the last two weeks, about the um, spiritual warfare, the armor of God. Reminds me of, I know I have to confess this, I, after 14 years, this Jewish New Yorker got a chainsaw. <laughs> a chainsaw. Come on. Me, a chainsaw? <laughs> I fired a gun once, too. <laughs> I know. Everybody's impressed. <laughs> so, we're, Josh and I went around, and we cut off all these branches and stuff, and we're lifting it up and revving the engine. Rawr, all proud of ourselves that we have a chainsaw now. <laughs> That's the armor of God. We have a chainsaw in the armor of God and the sword of the Spirit that can destroy any attack that the enemy has for us. Amen? And Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Aren't you glad it's His power? Aren't you glad we're strong in the Lord? And we put on whose armor? His armor. It's His armor. He's given us so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our war is not against one another. And like we think so many times it is. It's not us, them. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. For it's principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. That's where our struggle is. And when we recognize that we have spiritual power tools... <laughs> to do spiritual battle, that's a good thing. If you don't realize you're in battle, you've already lost. Before 9-11, there was 9-10. On 9-10, we were completely oblivious about what was going on. We had no idea that millions of dollars, thousands of people... Tens of thousands of man-hours were strategizing against our country until 9-11. 9-10, 9-9, 9-8, something was happening. We didn't even know about it. And there's a lot of Christians out there that don't realize that we live in a 9-11 environment. And I'm not talking about ISIS, although that's a part of it. I'm talking about the spiritual war that we all work in. We are living in it. And when you recognize it and take your spiritual power tools, you're in good shape. But if you don't, you can suffer consequences and pain. 
So this is the gospel. The gospel is being redeemed, bought back. We were sold as slaves into sin, but we were purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. We bowed before him in lordship, and everything else will follow. Everything else will. The church was birthed, our spiritual family. This is a spiritual family. It is so significant. It has cosmic significance because of our purpose that we would give glory to God, not just here on earth, but in the heavenlies as well, to the praise of the glory of God. That's why we were created. And we have this great method to be able to strengthen each other so we can do this. And then we have this amazing identity that we need to learn to walk in. This is the gospel. You can't just come on Sunday and think, I'm saved. Because that's the beginning. It is not the end. And then you have power tools to be able to accomplish this. Aren't you glad? A good manager always gives you the right tools that you need to be able to accomplish a job. And God, as a great manager and a loving father, gave us power tools to destroy the powers of the enemy in our lives. And we can do that. But you need to learn how to use them. Like I learned how to use that chainsaw. No, you better learn better than that. <laughs> so now, let's, let's move on. Just two quick points and we're ending. These are the last two points that Paul is making. The first is, um, in, this, in this whole understanding of we can live fearlessly, has to do with praying in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. First is pray in the In many translations, praying in the Spirit is, is connected, directly connected to the armor of God. Why do we need to pray in the Spirit and why do we need the armor of God? Because of the rest of the gospel. Because we have a calling and a purpose, right? Otherwise, if we're just saved and that's all we have to do, we don't need to pray. Why do we need, need, need to be filled with the Spirit or pray in the Spirit? No. There is so much more to what God has called us to be. This gospel that Paul explains throughout the book of Ephesians. So why should we pray in the Spirit? Because this is our call that God has given us, and we need to pray. How many of you know we need to pray? We need to pray. And what should we pray? We need to pray with all kinds of prayers and requests, like Paul said here. Pray in his name. John 14, 14 says, you may ask me anything in my name and I will do it. Does that mean popping his name on the end of a prayer or somewhere in the middle? No. It means any, anything in his will. You can pop his name on, I do. But don't think that you're going to get that prayer answered just because you pop his name on. No. It's the will of God. Ask anything in my will. And Jesus is a good example of this. He said, Father, not my will. Here he is in the garden praying that he did not have to go to the cross if, if there's any other way that this could happen. Wouldn't you be praying that too? Right? He prayed that. And he said, yet... Not my will, but yours be done. In, in Jesus' name, in God's name. We pray in Jesus' name. Pray the word of God. How many of you pray the word of God? You use the word of God as a way to prayer. Okay, I'm going to teach you some practical things here, all right? This is one of them, because this is a very powerful thing. When you learn to take the Bible and make it a prayer... 
it becomes a very powerful prayer because it's God's words already. Amen? So I'll give you an example. Now that my heart is recovering, I need to exercise more. I need to have a good attitude about exercise, right? I like to use the treadmill. Four times a week, I'm on that treadmill. And I'm, I'm, walking, I'm walking really fast because you have to get your heart rate up. So I get it up to about 140, which is where it should be, 130, 140 on average. And I'm going. And I'm thinking, you know what? I am just doing this because I have to. And there's no reason to do that. God spoke to me and he said, use one of your favorite scriptures to pray at the beginning of exercise. And so this is the scripture. This is, um, where'd it go? There it is. Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, present your bodies as living, holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And so I present my body to him every single day, not just the days I exercise, but every single day. And it's this amazing opportunity for me to worship God. That's prayer. Do you see how that works? Does that make sense? Use the Bible as prayer is very powerful. And how do we pray? This Pastor Jack gave me this many years ago. Pastor Jack Kaford, how many of you know who he is? He's like a, a real hero of the faith and has been around for, for a long time. And uh, he, I, I went and visited him. Eric did too at, at one point, our, our former pastor. And, and uh, he, he taught us this way of prayer that I thought was very helpful, very very um, practical because it's so easy to just say, okay, I'm supposed to pray. <sighs> okay, pray five things, and, and you think, oh, man, I don't have any strategy here. If you have a strategy for prayer, you could actually think of things to pray and actually spend some time in prayer. I'm going to give you this. If you want to write these down, these are very helpful. They're not in your, there's not in any notes anywhere, but you can write them down, and they're hopefully up there. Can you put them up there? There they are. So the first is confession. I repent. Give everything to God. Let God speak to you and tell you anything in your life that you need to repent for. What do you have to lose? Oh, I heard that phrase earlier in the year. <laughs> what do you have to lose? Let God speak to you about your heart. I guarantee you it's the best thing you could do. Let him speak to you and confess to him the things that you're struggling with. You probably know most of them already. And then consecration. It means I dedicate myself to you. So that's kind of like that Romans 12, 1 prayer. Offer your bodies living holy sacrifice. So when I'm, when I'm doing that scripture, when I'm praying that scripture, I am consecrating myself to God right there and saying, this body is exercising for the sole purpose of worshiping you right now. Even though I've been told that I need to exercise for other reasons, there's only one good reason to exercise, primary reason, and that's as an act of worship to God. Maybe we'll have a lot more exercises. Hey, we should do this as a New Year's Eve message, huh? Next is worship. I honor you first in my life. You don't have to be a singer. Just put him first in every area in your life. Worship him. Praise his name. Lift your hands up. That's a sign of surrender. And praise the mighty name of Jesus Christ, who is above all. There is no one greater. He is your savior, your deliverer, your healer. Honor him as king and Lord in your life. If you did each one of these for five minutes at the end, you'd have 30 minutes of prayer. Now, it's very easy to try to have a goal of 30 minutes and just kind of fill it with something, but don't do that. Have some purpose to it. This is a good strategy. The next is intercession. Stand in the gap for people. It says in, in Isaiah, God's prop, uh, speaking here, he says, I, I looked around for those that would stand in the gap, stand in the, 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 the gaping space between me and, and them, and, the, and he could find none. So that's what we do. We stand in that space. 
We could pray for people that need God. We could pray for situations that need God. We could stand in that gap. Intercession. How many of you know someone who needs that type of prayer right now? I know you, more of you do. You must have slipped into your coma again. We, we all know people that need the love of Jesus Christ. And you could intercede for them, stand in the gap for them. Someone who's sick and suffering, you could stand in the gap for them. The next is petition, praying for needs. I pray for needs. You can pray for your own personal needs. You're allowed to do that, right? Yeah. You could, you could pray for other, others' needs as well. You could pray for the church's needs, right? You could, you could pray for the state's needs, the country's needs. We have a lot of needs. You could be praying for. Petition. And then the last is warfare. I do battle for me and for others. Every day I do battle. Every day. Because I know that I'm in a war. It would be deluded of me to not do battle every single day. So I do it. So don't pray like this, okay? Here's some don'ts. First of all, don't pray rote prayers. God said he wants us to pray from the heart, right? So don't pray rote prayers. I grew up in a, in a culture, a, a Jewish temple culture, where everything was a written down prayer. Now, written down prayers don't have to be rote prayers, but it, they're easier to become rote prayers because you say them every week. I would say the same prayers every week, week in, week out, 52 weeks a year, every year. And that's very easy for it to become something, well, we're doing this, we're doing the Shema now, and we're just going through it. We're doing the bruja over the, over the wine right now, the blessing over the wine. Oh, yeah, wine. Uh, it's, and just go through it. And it means nothing. And I see it so often. So don't pray meaningless prayers. Don't pray bargaining prayers. God, if you only give this to me, I will fill in the blank. Right? Don't pray bargaining prayers. You're just trying to manipulate God's hand. Pray not my will, but yours be done. Right? Don't pray what I call happy day prayers. Happy day prayers are prayers that are pretty much devoid of us believing the power of Jesus' name and just praying for nice things. Right? Like a good day, a happy time, things like that. Now, those are good things to pray for too, but you cannot... Forget that the power of Jesus' name is there for a reason and that we would use it in prayer for powerful things and for life-changing things to take place, right? And then the last is false faith prayers. That's what I call false faith prayers. False faith. <laughs> Can't say that three times. Why would I write that out like that? I, I was not smart. Anyway, these types of prayers are kind of like idolatry. It's you have faith in your faith. Okay, here's God, and here's my faith right here, and I am having faith in my faith, and because of my faith, my faith, God do this because of this, this. And that is called idolatry, having faith in your faith. It's just like having faith in anything less than him. And so your faith in him does this make sense am i making myself clear on this it's very easy to think i believe and so god you should do this you should do this because my faith is so strong my faith is so strong how about praying because he is great and put your faith in him and him alone Faith in faith is idolatry. I'm sorry. There's, there's a whole movement based on faith in faith. And so if you're struggling with that, I'd be happy to talk to you about it. But it is not, your faith is not worth putting your faith in. Only the King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, the supreme, sovereign, glorious God of gods is worth putting your faith in. Not your faith. Okay?
And when should we pray? On all occasions, like it says in, in, in Paul's words here. And who should we pray for all the Lord's people? And so the second part that we're going to close in, and you can come on up, Pete, if you're coming up. Um, oh, there he is. Sneaky. Pete's been sneaking around me for 30 years. <laughs> Make known the mystery of the gospel fearlessly. You guys, the mystery of the gospel revealed through the book of Ephesians and through every book where the gospel is proclaimed starts with redemption and ends with fearlessly proclaiming the gospel. Begins here and ends here. We mistakenly stay here with salvation, redemption, and think, that's it, good, I checked off the box. I'm okay, I'm safe. But the gospel is so much more, it is so fulfilling in that we would fearlessly proclaim the gospel. Two times Paul is saying, would you pray for me that I fearlessly proclaim the gospel? Why do you think he asked them to pray that he would fearlessly proclaim the gospel? Why do you think? Because he was afraid. He's just like you and me. He's afraid. He had fear. And so he said, please pray that I would do this without fear. He had to do it. He had to do it. We have to do it. He said, pray that I would proclaim the gospel fearlessly as I should, and we should too, proclaim the gospel. And we don't have to do it in fear. Romans 10 says this, how then can they call on the one who have been not, they not believed in? And how can they believe in the one who have they not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The beginning of the gospel, the end of the gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is this the gospel that you say yes to today? Just pretend, maybe some of you have been in church forever, right? Some of you have been in church forever. Some of you, maybe it's your first time. Just pretend right now that you're hearing this gospel. It is a gospel that begins with saving you from your sins and then speaks about you becoming under the lordship of Christ and bending your knee to him. And then being born into the family of God. And then being called by God into this great mission field in all different ways. And then being built up in this family. And empowered with power tools. And given a new identity. Is this the gospel that you say yes to today? Because this is the gospel that Paul presents. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. You know, we have a lot of people around here that are great examples of living fearlessly the gospel of Jesus Christ in this way. We have a young guy named Daniel Kligman. You know, I don't know if you know him, but he's been around for a while in our church. And you know what? He, he went on Chopped, and God, he felt like he should do this. He went on Chopped, that TV show, right? And he won, which was really cool. But the coolest part about it was is that he fearlessly proclaimed the gospel to these people in New York City. It was awesome! 
We have other people. We have people like the team that feeds the homeless uh, every other Friday. You know, that's kind of a courageous thing to do in a sense at, at some level. So I'm giving them some credit for that. They are fearlessly proclaiming the gospel. But then, then we have simple ways to proclaim the gospel that we can all do, right? One way is in service, like in Jesus feeds. Jesus feeds, they're all, they're all the giftings that are involved in Jesus feeds are all around serving, mercy, prayer, things like that. And, and so you'd say, well, I can't, I can't share the gospel because I'm not an evangelist. Go watch Jesus feed, share the gospel fearlessly. None of them have the gift of evangelism that I know of. Maybe some of them do. But almost all of them are sharing the gospel fearlessly through prayer, through love, through just words of kindness, invitation, all different ways. Share the gospel fearlessly. How about this? How about Siri, not the app, but Siri who goes to our church she has CrossFit evangelism. She goes to CrossFit for the very purpose of meeting people and loving them and sharing the gospel with them. Now, she's not doing anything different than she would do. She wants to exercise. But in that environment, she can see God do a miracle, right? How about Cynthia, my wife? She does grocery store evangelism, right? We go to the grocery store every day. We're made fun of by the workers there because we're there more than they are. And, and we're always sharing the gospel and loving people. It, is, it does not take heroic efforts to fearlessly share the gospel. And you can share the gospel in your workplace. You don't have to say, oh, got to check out of work now so I can share the gospel with someone. You can do it right where you're at because why? Because you were saved, you're empowered, you're called, and now you can do what he's called you to do. You can do that. And you can share the gospel like, like Kelly Van Arsdale, who's helped many people in his company come to faith in Christ. You can do it. So we're not saying you need to check out of what you're doing. Share the gospel where you're at fearlessly. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Jesus called his disciples to follow me. He said, follow me. When Jesus said, follow me, this is what he said, what I just communicated to you. This is what he was meaning. So when I asked you earlier, are you following the Jesus that was proclaimed to you today? Or are you following someone where you can just make a check and say, okay, yeah, please forgive my sin. And I'm not demeaning that. That is absolutely an essential first part of God's call in your life. But today, God wants to do something more. Today, we are moving into a season of Christmas. This is an amazing time to be able to share the gospel. We have two services on Christmas Eve, which is Saturday night. Nobody has church on Saturday night. You can invite anybody, and they're going to feel comfortable coming. It's going to be a great Christmas candlelight concert. Love them. Fearlessly share the gospel this Christmas season. Is that you? Raise your hand if that's you are responding to this gospel. Good. Good. We need everybody. This is the reason why we did this series, is that everyone would see what the gospel of Jesus Christ is the full understanding of it. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you right now. We give ourselves to you and we ask God, we thank you for our salvation, our redemption. We thank you that you are Lord in our lives. We thank you that you have brought us and birthed us in your spiritual family. We thank you that that spiritual family has a call. We thank you that that spiritual family has a method and, Lord, that we can walk in the identity of who we are in Christ, a new creation, that we have been given power tools to defeat the enemy's purposes and plans, and, Lord, that we can fearlessly share your gospel. We give ourselves to you for that very thing during this season in particular. Lord, we choose to radically walk 
in a new understanding of your gospel today. And I just want to give people an, un, uh, an opportunity right now while everybody's eyes are closed and we're praying. If there's anyone here who wants to give their life to the Lord and you haven't done it before or you've been struggling and, and you would just want to recommit to the Lord, just raise your hand and, and make that known to me so I can, I can pray for you. Is there anyone here like that? Anyone at all? Okay. Yes? Okay, yeah. I see that hand. Yes, good. Hallelujah. Lord, we pray for those that are raising their hands that they would respond to this amazing grace that is lavished upon them today. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you, if you raised your hand, we'd love to pray with you. Please come forward. We'll have some people here that that are, are willing to pray with you and, and take the next step. God bless you. Have a great week. Walk in the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ today.